Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how God dwells or tents over our lives. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. God has gone to a lot of trouble to document this account for us of all the essential parts of what went wrong with our first parents. And we want to make sure that we don't miss it. And we don't miss what God wants to teach us through us. First of all, we see as we look at this that the serpent was in the garden. The garden was a place where they could discover new wonders that God had made. So it was like a marvelous classroom, the garden was, that just never stopped to stimulate their thinking and their their marvel and their creativity. They became injured in any way. There God put the tree of life so that they could be healed. The serpent was there. And God had warned them that even in that perfect place, of the Garden of Eden, they needed to be on their guard. That shows that when we think that we're in the best place, in the safest place, that we need to not let our guard down. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our Genesis message series. Now why did Paul say that when he was weak, he was strong? He said it because of the last part of verse 9 in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he says that the power of Christ may what? Dwell, rest upon me. He wanted, you know what that word means, rest in the Greek? It means to tent upon, to set up a tent over, to tent upon. So Paul, he wanted the power of Christ to tent over him. He wanted the Lord Jesus Christ to set up his tent over him. When we think we're strong, we think, I don't need any tent over me. I'm I'm really strong. Tents are for sissies. I'm not a sissy. You and I are no match for this one in Genesis 3. No match. We're no match for the devil. And it's only when we know we are weak that we'll turn to God and say, Lord, tent over me. Tent over me. I'm weak. I want the power of Christ to tent over me. And you know why this is so important? Because only when we get in this position of knowing that we are without strength, and when we ask God and we say, I need your tent of strength over me, that's the only way to become a friend of God. There's four really important words I want you to focus on. Isaiah 57, 15. There are four really important words here. Thus, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth. Now that's the first important word there. That's the word shochen, shochen, shochen. It's a very important word because the word means to settle down or to lie down or to abide, to dwell, to to tent, to camp, to nest, nest, nestle, That's what shochen means. He says, I am the high and lofty one, and I shochen, I I live, I dwell with eternity. So those who dwell with him are going to dwell with eternity too, as in eternal life. Whose name is holy. I dwell, there's the same word again, shochen. I dwell, I abide, I camp with, I nest with 
in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite, that's the second important word, that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Contrite, that's the word daka, daka, that's important. That word means crushed or made powder. You know where that's famously used in Isaiah 53, 5, when he said, he was bruised for our iniquities. That's the word daka. It means bruised. It means beat. It means pulverized, crushed. He says, I dwell with him that is that word, daka, that is pulverized, that is crushed. And he says, contrite and humble. That's the third important word. Humble, humble. That's the word shafal, shafal. Shafal is the word for depressed, depression. It means he dwells with the one who is depressed, who has a pulverized and a depressed spirit. Pulverized or crushed, bruised, and depressed spirit. And the fourth important word is the word, this word, to revive, to revive. That's the word chaya. Chaya is chai, you know, life. So he breathed into man the breath of life, chayim. Chaya means to give life. And he says, he gives life to revive the heart of the crushed ones. The heart of the crushed ones, you see? So from this verse, God says that he dwells, he shochains with the contrite, the bruised ones, with the humble ones, the depressed ones, the shafal. And he gives them life, chayab. But what does God do? He does this wonderful thing that we just talked about. That's what they need. They need life. What do you need when you're depressed? I need life. What do you need when you're bruised and broken? I need life. And God says, that's what I'm here to give you. That's why it's so important to know that we are without strength. Because that only puts us in the place. Now, that word shochin is very, very important. It's used in a number of places. For example, it's the root of shekinah. You've all heard the shekinah glory. But it comes from this word of the resting, the resting or the abiding glory. It says in, in Numbers 12, when it's talked about the, the movement of the tabernacle, it said, where the cloud rested, shochin, where it, in other words, went to dwell. In Psalm 16, 9, I'm just going to give you some verses here. Therefore, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, my flesh also shall rest, shochin, shall dwell in hope, shall rest in hope. Shochen tikva, shall rest in hope. So then he says in, in Joel 3.17, it says God is dwelling in Zion. That's God's choice to dwell in Zion. In Nehemiah 1.9, he says, I have chosen, he's speaking about Jerusalem, he said, I have chosen to set my name there. That word set is shochen. I've chosen to dwell there. I've chosen to be there. And that's one of many examples where God says that I chose where I'm going to dwell and live in Zion, in Jerusalem. And you find this in Deuteronomy 14.23, Deuteronomy 16.2, Deuteronomy 16.6, Deuteronomy 26.2. All says the same thing. He chose to shochin, to dwell or live in Jerusalem. Same in Psalm 135, 21, Isaiah 8, 18, Joel 3, 21. So all of these verses are saying the same thing. But maybe one of the most wonderful uses of this verse is the introduction to the subject, which someday we'll get to, on the tabernacle, which covers 50 chapters in the Bible. Creation covers two. 
The tabernacle, speaking of redemption, covers 50 chapters. Very important. But the introductory verse for the tabernacle and for the creation of the tabernacle is found in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. So if you turn to that, please. Because here in this verse, God introducing the why of the tabernacle. Why are we going to have a tabernacle, Lord? Why are we going to do this? And God says in Exodus 25, 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may shochen, that I may dwell, that I may live with them, that I may shochen among them, that I may dwell among them. And he says the sanctuary. That's the same sanctuary which we won't turn to now, but if you like to note, Ezekiel eleven sixteen, it speaks about that when he has scattered them into all these countries, he says, I will, I, God says, will be to them a little sanctuary in the countries. Now the word tabernacle is the word mishkan, which comes from the shochen. Mishkan, it's the same word, Psalm 26, 8, it says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Mishkan, like the tabernacle, comes from Shochin. This is friendship with God. This is what Shochin is saying. It's friendship with God. It's living with God. It's just like the, the, the song says, living with Jesus, a life that is true, living for Jesus, striving to please him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway a blessing for me. The Shochem chapter, and then turn to it, John chapter 15, please. John 15 is the very, very important chapter because it's the chapter about this concept of living with God, of dwelling with God, of God dwelling with us and us dwelling with God, of God shochening with us, and us shochening with God. And that's what the word abide means. Now we've got it in Greek, but he didn't speak Greek, so I'm sure he said shochen, but anyway, you can ask him when you get to heaven. And so in verse 5, it says, abide in me. I'm absolutely certain he said, shochen with me, abide with me, and I in you. Shochain, shochain, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide, it shochain in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide, ye shochain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth or shochains in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Very, very important. We don't just One, two, three, repeat after me, say a prayer, and God goes his way and we go our way. That's not the program. The program is, abide with me, I with you. Shochain with me, you shochain with me, I'll shochain with you. It is a life now that's going to be an echad, together with God. Together with God. So, that's the program. Now, turn back to Genesis 3 and we'll get back into the enemy's approach. Okay. Verse 1 of Genesis 3 says that uh, the serpent was more crafty. And he says to the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. All right, now first question here. All right, first of all. uh, His first words that he said, Satan said to Eve, are these do's or don'ts? It's don'ts, right? It's don'ts. Yeah, don't, don't, right? 
Okay, that's important. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. So that ye were examples to all that believe. So the Thessalonian believers are examples. In Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need to not to speak anything, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. What did those exemplary Thessalonians do first? Did they turn to God first or did they turn from idols first? They turned to God first. Why does it say that they turned to God first and then they turned from idols? Because they loved God. They loved Jesus who delivered them from the wrath to come. And when they found the Lord Jesus Christ, they said, Oh, I found God to love. I found God to adore. I found God to cling to. I found God to shochain with, to dwell with, or nest with. Then they said, Okay, what's keeping me away from God? Why can't I get closer to God? Idols, out with the idols. Tom, today you spoke about what seems to be an oxymoron statement about being strong when you are weak. Now, how is it that a person is strong when he is weak? Well, we have to first of all ask the question when we, when we look at that is to say, well, what makes us strong and what makes us weak? God has set himself uniquely he has set himself to against one uh, attribute, if you will, not an attribute, but anyways, there's one condition of man in which God has said, if man has this condition, I absolutely oppose it, I resist it, and in effect, that makes him weak, and that, uh, and that, that condition is pride, P-R-I-D-E. When a person is proud, he is weak. Be- why? Because he's at enmity with God, because he, God is resisting that person. When a person is the opposite, when a person is humble, then he is strong, because because God loves the humble. So, when we are strong, we are typically, when we see ourselves as strong, we are typically proud. And that really is, we're weak. But when, on the other hand, we see ourselves as weak, then we're not proud, we're humble, and then we are strong. How are we strong when we are weak? We are strong in God. Be strong in the Lord, the Bible says, not in ourselves. That's the whole issue here. The whole issue comes down to this. Are we going to choose our own strength, which in reality is going to make us weak? Are we going to be strong in the Lord, which will then in reality make us strong? So it goes like this. When we are weak, and here's the words that are missing, in ourselves, then we are strong, and here's the words that are missing, in the Lord. Or we could say, when we are strong in ourselves, then we are weak in the Lord. That's the issue, is those words that are missing in in ourselves versus in the Lord. When we're strong in ourselves, we are weak in the Lord. When we are weak in ourselves, we are strong in the Lord. And what really counts for true strength? 
to be strong in the Lord. That's why David said in Psalm 69, 17, And hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. See, he was in trouble. He was calling on God, therefore he was strong. Psalm 6, verse 2, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. See, he said he was weak and the missing words in himself. Therefore, he was strong because he was calling on the mercy of God. He was calling for the healing of God, and God never fails to answer a prayer like that and to make David strong in the Lord. That's the key, to be weak in ourselves so that we can be strong in in the Lord. And today you talked about dwelling with God. What does it mean to want or desire to dwell with God? Yeah, dwelling with God comes, first of all, out of a heart that really wants to dwell with God. Who dwells with God? The person who wants to dwell with God. We have a beautiful picture of this in uh, the book of Exodus, where we have the picture of a servant who had to be a servant. He had to be a servant because he was indentured, whatever. He was a servant that had to be a servant. And there came a time in his life when his freedom was given to him, when the door was open for him and he could walk, he could walk away. He could walk away from the servitude. It was a very momentous time because at this time, the servant was going to make the decision. What's the decision? Do I want my freedom or do I want to go and to be a servant forever? And if that servant wanted to take that decision to be with his master, to dwell with him, to be his servant, then the servant had the option for doing something that Moses laid out in Exodus 21.6. Let me read it. Then his master shall bring him into the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. You see what it was when that servant wanted to say, I want to be a servant with my master. I love my master. There's no way I want to walk out of this house. I am the happiest serving my master. Then he said that he could come to the door and his master would take an awl and bore his his ear through. And every time he walked in the city, every time he was out in public, every time he looked at himself in a shiny piece of metal, anytime anyone saw him and they saw that hole in his ear, they would realize there's a man that has made the decision to be with his master forever. There's a man who wants to dwell with his master forever. You see, that's the picture of us. We, in effect, are those servants that go up to the door of the house. We say to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to dwell with you forever. We say to him, spiritually speaking, it's as if you, I'm putting my ear on the door of your house and I want you to take that all and to drive it through. I want to be with you forever. I want to dwell with you forever. I want to be with you. I don't want to leave you. And that's the person that dwells with God. The person who dwells with God is the person who wants to be with God forever, who says, there's no way that I want my independence, my freedom from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to dwell with him forever. And that person The Lord Jesus Christ says, you can have your desire and dwell with me forever. That's an amazing picture of desiring to be with the Master. Now, what other scripture points to why we would want to dwell with God? Yeah, the question, why would a person want to dwell with God? 
You know, there's a great answer to that in Psalm 27, 4, where David really lays out and he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know, David really says something amazing here to us. He says, you know, I, my life is very simple. It's so simple because it crystallizes down to one overriding desire that I have in life. David, what is your overriding desire in life? Is it to have more money, David? Is it to have more power, David? Is it to have more of, of what you can have? He says, no, no, no. He says, the secret of my life is one desire, and that's one thing have I desired, and that's what I've asked God for. And what is it, David? He says, that's what I've sought him for. That's what I'm living my life for. That's what I've oriented all my being toward. What is it, David? He'll tell you, it's that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. How many days of your life do you have, David? Well, there's two chapters he would say in my life. I have days of my life on earth, and I have days of my life in heaven. The days of my life on earth have a set end, three score and 10, and if by reason of strength, four score. In other words, 70 years, maybe 80 years, but it's not going to be an easy last 10 years. Nevertheless, he says, the days of the years of my life on earth are limited. But then he said, the days of the years, but then then it is that the days of the years of his life in heaven have no end. That's eternal life. So he's saying that for all eternity, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. What for, David? I'll tell you, he says, two reasons. One, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see, like the high priest saw in that white linen inside the tabernacle, the utmost purity of his person. I want to see, like, the, like, the, like those in the tabernacle saw, that goat's hair, black goat's hair, the covering which spoke of his devotion to the Lord, to God. I want to see that beauty of the Lord. I want to see in the house of the Lord forever that scarlet, that, that scarlet-colored uh, cloth which speaks of how he gave himself on the cross for our sins. I want to see him like no one has ever seen him before, the beauty of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to inquire in his temple. I want to ask questions and learn, learn, learn. More, more about Jesus, as the song says. That's what I want to do as I dwell in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as Psalm 23 says. But practically speaking, Tom, what does it mean when we have to decide to dwell with God? You know, you can't get a better answer to that question than the statement that Ruth made to her mother-in-law, Naomi, in Ruth 1.16. When she said these words, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. You know what she was saying there? She was saying, all bridges of return I have burned. 
There is no way that I'm going to leave. There is no way that I'm going to turn back. For me, it's you. It's your people. It's your God. That's what we say to the Lord Jesus Christ when we decide to dwell with him forever. We say to him, please don't ask me to leave you. Please don't ask me to return from following after you, Lord Jesus, because where you go, I will go. Where you are, I want to be. Your people, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be my people, and you will be my God. And that's the that's the statement that's made when a person makes that practical decision to dwell with God. It's a decision which is exclusive. It's a decision where you say, you and you alone will be my God. Your people will be my people. They will supersede, if need be, my own family. And I, every, with all my being, there's one thing that I want is to be with you and whatever it takes for that to happen, that's what I'll do. That's what it means to make that decision to dwell with God. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you join us again tomorrow. As we approach Thanksgiving this week, are you thankful for the Jewish Messiah? Are you thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ? And would you like to tell one of his lost Jewish people about him? Well, you can do that, and Israel Restoration Ministries wants to help you to bring the gospel to the lost Jewish nation of people. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051, and we can get you a Tom Cantor testimony DVD and booklet, any other resources and materials so that you can witness to lost Jewish people. So call us today at one 800 247 or go to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org for more information. But this Thanksgiving week, let's be thankful and reach God's lost nation of Jewish people. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at this same time.